walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. Got some Ring of Honor for you today man oh man today we are covering ring of honor night of the butcher 2002 and it's not necro butcher it's not the east end butcher shaw samuels it's abdullah the fucking butcher who we man <laughs> Well, I don't know what I expected from this show, but, uh, oof. See, Abdullah the Butcher is in the main event. And just to reiterate, uh, the year is 2002. And, uh, he's in a tag team match. It's Abdullah the Butcher and Homicide versus the Carnage Crew, the team of DeVito, and my guest today, H.C. Loke. Man, oh man, I was pumped to, uh, <laughs> I couldn't have had a better guest on this. Like literally, of all the people that have ever existed in the world, I could not have had a better guest for this show than the man who on this show got stabbed in the face with a fork no less than a hundred times. <laughs> and- like, legitimately, we could have just done an hour plus just talking about that match. How bizarre it was. Because, look, before I uh, knew that he was going to come on my show to talk about this show, I-, I watched the show, and I had every intention of just shitting all over it. Honestly. Because the main event... Look. <laughs> it's Abdullah the Butcher wrestling in 2002. You're not gonna get a five-star classic. This is not ring. This is, you know, this is not Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. This is not Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi. This is Abdullah the Butcher whipping out a fork, barely being able to walk, stabbing HC Loke repeatedly in the head for maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> so that was the last thing I saw. That was, again, that's the main event. That's where the show left me. And it was like, I, it was just bizarre. I didn't know how to think about it. So in the episode, we talk about all that stuff, how like Ring of Honor had been really good up to this point, And this show kind of 
fell flat in a lot of ways. And we kind of go into the reasons that it, it might have fallen flat. Loke, uh, give some, you know, backstory on some of the matches that happened, why they kind of floundered if they did. He has a lot of knowledge on the guys that were on the card, including the ones that, um, I've never seen before personally, and, uh, provides a, a lot of good insight on not only this show specifically, but on ring of honor during this time period, ring, ring of honor as a whole and really pro wrestling as a whole. We actually even talk a little bit about, uh, the current product and how that kind of ties into what we we saw in night of the butcher 2002, but I won't drag on <laughs> this intro too long, but basically in talking to Loke about this main event and about the show as a whole, it really made me appreciate what I saw more so than I did before talking to Loke him describing to me, like why the main event kind of played out as it did. It, it made sense to me. And, um, honestly, in a lot of ways, because I, I, it actually made me go watch it again, and I enjoyed it more after talking to him. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is that uh, this show was a very, very strange one. But um, this podcast interview with HC Loke and our review of Night of the Butcher 2002 is probably one of my favorite ROH episodes up to this point. So, really good stuff there. But outside of the main event, I mean, we have. Xavier defending the ROH title against AJ Styles. And you know when AJ Styles is in a match, especially at this point, you know it's going to be at least really good. We have a little mini tournament to crown the new number one contender for the Ring of Honor title. Got a little scramble action, as always, with these ROH shows. And we got Michael Shane, too. <clears throat> but, uh... But yeah, like I said, HC Loke, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at HC Loke one, the number one. All that info will be in the description of this podcast and or YouTube, wherever you're listening or watching. By the way, go check out YouTube if you're not aware. Video versions of these episodes, all my episodes are up on YouTube at Apron Bump on YouTube. So go subscribe there. See our beautiful, beautiful faces. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it, man. This is, a, this is a good one. Ring of Honor, Night of the Butcher, 2002, with myself and ECW and ROH legend, H.C. Loke. Yeah, how's life treating you, man? Great, man. Super busy, but I'm lucky. Doing real good. Awesome. Got a couple of little puppies that you might hear. Oh, yeah. Not <laughs> around here, but I'll try to keep them as calm as I can. Dude, I got cats that I, I lock out of my room, but you might hear a meow and claw at the door. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm yeah. like, don't worry, it'll be a little barnyard here. Uh, cool. So you said you're, you've been on the road a lot lately, I guess, with uh, things kind of loosening up around the, around the world. It's probably uh, good to get back out there and, and work. Yeah, it is. I mean, I kept as busy as you could mid pandemic, I guess, you know, yeah. as far as that. Um, you know, there'd be empty arena shows where people are, are filming for their, whatever they do, their YouTube channels or how do they do stuff like that. So you got to try to be careful, but I always, I said, you know, at my age, I was, I was, I, uh, you know, again, like I said, try to be as careful as you can, but I was always conscious of, I don't have a whole lot of how many next years do I have? You know, I don't want to take a year off. I can help it, you know, right. so I try to keep busy, but, um, but now it's pretty slammed. I've had I've had more than 100 matches this year so far. So that's awesome, so that's a, man. That's a real good, that's a real good year for me. So 
Yeah, I was about, you still look good. So I'm I'm glad you're thanks, uh, still getting thanks. work out there. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's going well. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> taking us back to Ring of Honor, in 2002, man. So, yeah. so you started. So I guess you, your first, I guess, big break was ECW, correct? That would be yeah. That I would call. I mean, like I did some uh enhancement work, like right. you know, and stuff like that. So I've been I've been seen on TV a little bit, but um. Definitely my, my big break with the ECW for sure. That that was my first first time really being featured anywhere. Right. Yeah, I didn't I, I grew up pretty much just as a WWF guy. So I didn't yeah. really watch a lot of ECW back in the day personally. Um, uh-huh. but from what I've seen of it and what I've seen thus far from Ring of Honor, it seems like there's a lot of parallels between Ring of Honor and ECW as far as like the atmosphere they try to create and like the intimate nature of it. Did you get that kind of vibe? Were there a lot of similarities between ECW oh, sure. and Ring of Honor? Sure. Not so much with the style, but right. with, I would say like with, with the passion, you know, and uh, with, um, and, and it was certainly with the fan base being pretty rabid and knowing what they want to see. You better give them exactly that, you know, type of the yeah. era, you know, uh, um, but, uh, and certainly with um, the way it felt, work in there too you know it's uh yeah those places both those places and i see there's that puppy now um <laughs> all good. there's uh uh both those places and i would say probably more so ecw for sure but both of them there's like you feel like you're on a team like a team vibe rather than yeah. just like i'm I, you know i'm sure i have plenty of friends and co-workers and students and whatnot have gone on to work for wwe and whatnot and i'm sure they're obviously they're happy to be there and they're thrilled, but they're going to work and they're with their friends and they enjoy They love their company. I'm sure. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, ECW, especially there's that, that, that team vibe, you know, it's a, uh, I, uh, we did an autograph fighting Tony DeVito and I did a couple months ago. I love one of those legends fest. And there was a bunch of ECW people there mm-hmm. and everybody's kind of congregated together. Cause it's still that family, that team thing. It's, it's really, really cool. Uh, it's a, you know, even all these years later, funny i was uh listening to some podcast but i don't even remember which one it was but they brought up uh raven from ecw now he's worked mm-hmm. everywhere since then but he's still raven from ecw you know what right. i mean that's how, that's how it is so pretty unique yeah because raven i mean he pops up in ring of honor what a maybe a year after this show uh done tna stuff wwf stuff yeah he really has been all over the place yeah. literally every company i mean not AEW yet but you know not but, yet uh, <laughs> talk about him it's still oh that's raven from ecw you know it just feels that way you know yeah no i'm with you for sure um just talking about wrestling in general i guess in 2002 it was a very it's a very weird period in wrestling to me because the attitude eras is dead you know wcw ecw they're gone and like like british wrestling really isn't a thing like it is today you have stuff in japan but it almost feels like there's not a lot of like strong companies in 2002 and i feel like that's kind of what ring of honor is there to try to do is try to fill a void that exists did you kind of get that was that kind of the mentality that was uh, i i believe that was the mentality and it's certainly that's how it felt you know yeah that, that started you know from the from out of the fact that the folks from our video didn't have uh, ECW shows to sell anymore. So it was, yeah. so it was basically they were running shows so that they could have DVDs and VHS tapes at the time to sell, which was genius really. Um, right. And uh, they could tell they had their own, this isn't exactly what you asked, but uh, they could tell 
by, oh, say, we're, we're, we're selling a lot of videotapes. We're mailing a lot of them to Chicago. Now we know we better do a show in Chicago, Chicago mm-hmm. that type of thing. So it was a really good business plan. That's smart. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, it seemed really quickly. I mean, like the first night, to be honest with you, yeah. like, oh, this is, this isn't just a booking. This isn't, you know, this isn't right. an indie I'm doing the first Saturday of the month or whatever, however you do those things, you know, this is like a company. This is a place to work. This is something. And, um, you know, within the first couple of shows, there were even talk from, uh, like guys like Mike Johnson and folks that I've always respected online, you know, journalists about how this is something more, you know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of starting to fill that void, especially, I don't know about WCW, but certainly VCW going away. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got, they were getting, you know, Eddie Guerrero on their, I think their second show or whatever it was and guys first like that. Show. So yeah, first for, was the first show. Yeah. It was first show. Yeah. I think he, he appeared at another show as well. Uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he did, but yeah. 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 And, um, so me personally, I got into ring of honor. It's more like 2006, 2007. And I kind of watched uh-huh. for a few years. So I've with this podcast, I've pretty much gone to the beginning and I've watched each show in chronological order. So I'm kind of reliving, like kind of the, the growth of ring of honor with fresh eyes. Cause I've never seen any of these shows. Yeah. And um, so I've worked my way through 2002 and every show has been at least good. Some have been really good. Some have been pretty good. Um, this show here. Now, I don't know how much you remember about night of the butcher 2002, but uh, you know, I guess I'll, I'll ask you, do you, what are your memories of this show? Just in general? Uh, honestly, beyond what I was doing, yeah, because it was a pretty big deal, you know. Uh, not a lot off mm-hmm. the top of my head. I probably couldn't tell you any of the other matches that were there. I mean, probably I, you know, they'll ring a bell, you know, and uh, uh, but yeah. we were on last, and we were pretty focused on that, <laughs> you know. That right. Day. So, so well, I honestly don't know how much of it I saw, to be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest. I don't blame you at all for not remembering anything because outside of the main event, everything else was pretty. Like, cause like I said, I've, I've loved all the ring of honor I've watched from 2002 thus far, but this show was, mm-hmm. was not, it wasn't bad. It was just a lot of kind of, there wasn't a lot of heat with anything, the yeah. other matches. Um, it's yeah. almost like the crowd was there just to see Abdullah the butcher. It's almost like they were there just to see the gore of it all. And yeah. weren't that crowd that kind of, um, was there to see like professional wrestling per right. se. Yeah, um, yeah. but I guess. You know, we'll talk about it in the main event later, but um, man, that was <laughs> there's a lot to get into with that. I have a lot of questions to ask you about that. But as far as like a show, you said you didn't watch a show, which is OK, because like I said, like there's honestly not a lot of meat to the bone. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll start. Actually, we'll start because we'll go through it, you know, from start to finish. But I, I, I want to start with your promo at the end. I don't know if you remember this at all. So this is after the main event. So okay. you, DeVito, are backstage, you're bloody, you got fork scars in your forehead, you're just sitting back there recovering, and then you're like putting over, you know, it, this is what DeVito and Loke are about. Uh, we want to make everybody as miserable as we are. We have crappy jobs, naggy yeah. kids, and ugly wives. Yeah. And you said, we have ugly wives, and DeVito's like, hey, bud, uh, he's speaking for himself now. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of the show, honestly. But yeah, because there was 
not a lot of good promos in Ring of Honor at this point, but you you stood yeah. out as uh, one of the better ones. Well, thank you. Yeah, I um, I kind of stumbled on that. Really, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's something that I've cultivated, you know, and really tried to try to become good at, as you're supposed to do with your craft, whatever it is you do. Uh-huh. Um, but kind of from the jump in Ring of Honor, I I did a couple of promos in ECW, and they went better than expected, even by me. Yeah. Um, uh, in front of live crowds and whatnot, but then coming into Ring of Honor, I cut a promo the very first show and um, Doug Gentry, God bless him, he's gone now, but um, he had filmed that and he was like, well, that's the best promo on the show. He goes, <laughs> go, wow, man, thanks. You know, I didn't know, I'm just doing my thing. And then um, the match, I, it probably wasn't on, on that DVD, but um, it must've been the show before Night of the Butcher when there was, a, we did kind of a lengthy promo talking about that match coming up and um, right. i was really really proud of that one now that, that one was good um uh i don't fully remember the one you're talking about but we had a good we had we found a good vein there with that whole hating our crappy lives and we just don't care we just want to beat people up and didn't even care if you beat us up we just wanted yeah. we just wanted <laughs> to fight you know and uh, that was our big and i'll tell you right where that all came from that was uh talking on the phone with a booker you know at home and uh at the time I, my kids were little and I probably had dogs running around like you can hear now or something like yeah. that. And there was just wild in the background. And I'm like, would you guys come on the phone? And, uh, and they're on the other end of the line going, Hey, everything all right there. And I remember just saying, Oh man, these goddamn kids joking. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. We get to the show the next week. He goes, we're going to do something with that. You're you're the Al Bundy for married with children. That's what, right. that's what you guys <laughs> are going to be about how, about your home life and everything and then we found that vein and we found some got did some really fun stuff with it yeah no that's that's awesome it really fit because you guys you know coming from ecw and then the hardcore style that you guys had it really fit uh what you guys were going for and ring of honor at this point it's a lot of like because like i said this is like right after the attitude era so it's almost like ring of honor is trying to be like just wrestling sometimes sometimes it feels like two nuts and bolts and not a lot of emphasis on characters yeah. which is a, a theme of this show really but you guys like i said stood out because you're definitely it seemed like you're putting effort and getting your characters over which ultimately is going to get people to care sure about the matches yes yeah. sure yeah um and that's probably why a lot of matches on this show suffer because it's just a lot of guys and tights and with long hair and like not a lot to it but well there, that's that's you know and this is what I tell my students all the time. And that can be great. You know, a great wrestling match mm-hmm. is great, but you need, you need more than just that, you know, unless it's, unless it's a dream match scenario type of thing. Like recently we talk about, we've been talking about in the last few weeks, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega, right? You yeah. don't need a big, a lot of promos building that up. You don't need weeks of, you know, vignettes to, to do that. That's a special attraction, but the only two things in professional wrestling that ever have or ever will draw anybody money, any kind of money, sell any tickets are a special attraction, i.e. a dream match, the Undertaker, Andre the Giant, or personal issues where mm-hmm. you're understanding the characters and you're understanding why I want to fight this guy, this, you know, and why it matters who wins or who loses, or right. why it matters that I'm coming back to get my revenge, or why it matters that I'm sick of my crappy wife and loud kids at home and I just want to beat these people up. You have yeah. to give people a reason to be invested in, you know, um, it great. It all comes down to, of course, you have to have a good in product, but you have to give a, people a reason to care 
what what's going on in the ring, you know, besides other than just the fact that, oh, these guys are good workers. You know, yeah, there's got to be more to it. Than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's really kind of illustrated with the opening match. So um, so I'll go through the matches. I know you didn't watch the show, but if, if I spark any I'll memories, so yeah. feel free, feel free yeah. to interrupt me, of course. Sure. Um, but the opening match here, we got Michael Shane versus Jeremy Lopez. So Michael Shane's a guy that I cover TNA on my podcast too. And I've watched a lot of his work in TNA and yeah. there's just something about him. Cause obviously the, uh, the cousin of Shawn Michaels and sure. that seemed to be his gimmick. Like, Hey, this is my mm -hmm. cousin. And I feel like when you have that gimmick, you've just pigeonholed yourself to being, Oh, he's like Shawn Michaels light kind of deal. And I feel like that's always, at least as me watching him, that's kind of the impression I got. Cause he's a guy that's, technically sound i'm sure he's a solid promo but it's, there's not a lot of his matches don't seem to have a lot of steam to him for whatever reason do you have any memories of michael shane sure great dude i really yeah. liked him well you know and he came around ecw and he got a little bit of work you know and that was you know i i don't you know no disrespect to him but it's clearly it's like well if we uh if we use sean michael's cousin then you know one hand washes the other who knows what will happen you know you, right. stuff like that you know um, and that's no disrespect to, to Michael Shane, Matt Bentley. Um, he's a good dude, solid hand, but you know, you can, you can only be less than greater than or equal to, right. And you're not going to be greater than, or even equal to yep. Sean Michaels ever. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're leaning into the comparison, you're set up to be less than of forever, you know? So, I mean, it's a yeah. tough 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 i mean it's uh acknowledge that you're Sean michael's cousin sure that'll probably help a little bit but i would be everything but sean michaels in the ring you know um i get a little long-winded when i talk about wrestling i apologize no, please advance, no but, i love it but, but, but you know uh not to stray away from that but on that point um i was teaching a seminar a couple weeks ago and um one of the guys was really good, but he came in in a red, white, and blue singlet, right? And he was in decent shape, but not great shape. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a good wrestler as far as amateur wrestling, but, you know, he's not a, an Olympic gold medalist, but who is? Kurt Angle, right? Right. So if you're going to do that style and you're going to wear a red, white, and blue singlet, you're going to make me look, you're going to make me think about Kurt Angle. So, you know, you better look as good as him in that singlet or you yeah. should wear something different. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and that's kind of my long-winded way of comparing that to Michael Shane. You know, if you're if you're leaning into these comparisons to Shawn Michaels, you're starting from behind, and you're never going to win that race. Never right. going to win that. You know, oh man, he surpassed Shawn Michaels. That's you know, you don't say that about a whole lot of people ever. You know, so right. So yeah, so that I I would agree with you on that. No, yeah, especially because he he does all of Shawn's moves. He has a lot of yeah. similar mannerisms. I feel like if you're going to do that you should go the route as like randy orton has gone you know he's obviously it's not a secret that he's bob orton's son but he's sure. a totally different animal like a totally different style and i feel like if you ask most people today i think most people would say that randy orton has surpassed what bob orton did would you agree oh, sure. yeah sure yeah, yeah. I, def I mean bob orton was fantastic but of um, course. you know randy orton's one of the best in the world and uh and again, I mean, that's, a, that's probably a perfect analogy because everybody knows Bob Orton's kid, but he's not trying to be another right. Bob Orton. You don't think about that when you're watching Randy Orton wrestle, per not se. At all. Yeah, not at all. 
Um, but you do think about that when Michael Shane wrestles and he's facing Jeremy Lopez. I'm not super familiar on Jeremy Lopez. He seems very similar uh, aesthetically to Michael Shane. So it's almost yeah. like I was watching this match and I was like, wait, who is that guy? Who is that? Cause they look like they could be brothers. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, this match, even watching it um, from the DVD, it, there, there's a lot of cuts in this match. It, it was a decently long match, but there were still cuts in it. So I don't imagine what they cut out. I guess there was a lot yeah. of dead air in this match beyond what there already was that they showed. Yeah. Um, but at the end, uh, Michael Shane hits the uh, sweet Shane music which is a super kick, of course, and then the picture-perfect yeah. elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of HBK's repertoire is busting out. He does very good. Like He has a beautiful yeah. elbow, um, and yeah. that gives Michael Shane the win. Uh, they shake hands at the end. Michael Shane's the heel here. He's kind of shaking hands. Like, that was the thing in Ring of Honor. You shook hands after a match. Well, but Michael Shane's yeah. kind of doing it in like a like a dickhead way. Like, yeah, you better sure. shake my hand. Um, so it was like... A very slow match that didn't really have a payoff or stakes. It didn't have a lot of steam to it. Um, but yeah, I feel like this might be you know a match that might be more appreciated maybe nowadays. But back then, we'd have a crowd waiting for Abdullah the Butcher to stab you in the head with a fork. Maybe that's not what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, after that, we get something a little better, a lot better actually. We get CM Punk versus Colt Cabana. Yeah, so this is uh, so these guys have had had previously wrestled each other a bunch in Chicago, yeah. but this is their first meeting in Ring of Honor. In fact, I, th- I believe this is uh, Colt's debut in Ring of Honor here. Um, this is only Punk's like second or third match in Ring of yeah. Honor at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, in this match, I mean, the first 60 seconds, there's already more moves than the entire previous match. <laughs> Completely yeah. different style, really fast paced. Um, a little sloppy at some points, but these guys are both still like pretty new to the business and they're, I'm sure yeah. yeah, maybe nervous. Ring of Honor, even at this point, is a pretty established brand. So, yeah, you were well aware if you were for Ring of Honor that everybody was going to know about it the next day. So yeah. if not, even if I mean, even if it wasn't on national TV and, you know, the, it wasn't mainstream for for guys like you and me and, the, you know, these hardcore wrestling fans are really following it and understand the business or or think they do. Or you know, or want to? Um, yeah. You're in those days. You're gonna know about everything that happened at Ring of Honor last night, the next day. You know for yeah. sure. So, so you know, there was nerves for sure, and yeah. people wanting to wanting to do all their, you know, do all their cool stuff or whatever. You know, and sometimes sometimes that would get a little sloppy. Right. Yeah, and that was kind of a common theme, not just in Ring of Honor, but I feel like early 2000s indie wrestling, it was like all about who could do the fanciest moves. And some may argue that's kind of still prevalent today, I guess. But Uh um, (laughs) we can get on a whole tangent about that. But yeah, um, but overall, really fun match. You got some fun offense from these guys. Yeah, Colt, a young Colt Cabana out there doing a side moonsaults to the outside. Uh, we get like a tornado snap suplex from Colt Cabana, uh, a reverse herd Carana from CM Punk. These guys are going all out for these guys. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot more heat, and the crowd's definitely invested in this match rather than the last match. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards the end, Colt uh, goes for the Colt 45, which is a, uh, a double underhook backbreaker of sorts, like over the shoulder. And yeah. um, I'm not sure if this is like them making the best out of a botch or whatever. But I, I liked ca- kind of how it played out because Colt like tried over and over again to try to get him up for it. But 
but it mm-hmm. kind of looked like Punk was struggling. I really like that when it looks like there's like a struggle to lock in a move yeah. and then Colt mm-hmm. finally hits it and gets the win, but he does it after like trying over and over again to lock it in. It really adds like a sense of realism to it. Absolutely. That, that yeah. could have been well their intention, but uh, yeah, Colt mm-hmm. Cabana gets the win here. And um, this is just one of many matches, probably thousands at this point, matches that they would go on to have. So uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Punk versus Cabana, you have any, any favorites, favorite clashes between those two? Yeah. I mean, uh, those guys became staples, you know, obviously, and they got over so quickly and um, did some type of tag scenario uh, against them. I think it might've been a scramble match or something, Mm -hmm. but um, um, we, uh, you know, this is, you know, not to get real long winded on this tangent, but I remember definitely in Philly doing a scramble match with them at one point where there'd be four teams or whatever. And Cabana started with somebody. And um, and uh, I always kind of booked those scramble matches. We had, like, the formula of how we wanted them to go. And I um, – not to say I called everybody spots, but, I you know, I always kind of laid it out how we are going to go. Yeah. You know, and the plan being that um, Colt was going to start with whoever he was. He'd do a few seconds or something. Somebody else would come in. It's basically like a Lucha Rules match, right? Those were mm-hmm. what those all were. And um, uh, they were just – going for what seemed like forever you know in the beginning you know and doing um this is meant to be that kind of you know people talk about wanting to get their shit in here's the match to do it you know because this is this is the highlight real match the fireworks and they're doing uh exact opposite that and they're going forever and the crowd's getting a little restless on you know Mm -hmm. and i finally punk was opposite corner of uh, me and devito and i hollered over i go punk hey punk and he finally looked up and i go Hell with this shit. You want to go have a beer? And everybody in the crowd laughed. And, uh, <laughs> After watching this shit, yes, see y'all are back or whatever, you know. And then they picked it up and then we got a great match after that. But, but, That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> yes, and I gave Sam Punk a black eye that night. Sorry. Sorry, Punk. Oh, he probably he probably deserved it, right? <laughs> I am hard to tell. If not then, probably some other time. But, yeah. <laughs> He's bound to at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys have a, a really good match here. Um, yeah, Punk is winless in, in Ring of Honor at this point. Um, but after the match, Gary Michael Capetta gets in the ring. Um, and he basically announces that there's going to be a rematch at a later show. And whoever wins that match is going to get a contract with Ring of Honor. So these guys, I guess, technically aren't contracted with Ring of Honor. Right, um, yeah. So the whole premise is whoever wins that match will get a contract and is going to be able to get flown into these shows rather than driving from Chicago to Philly or wherever. Mm-hmm. And um, Punk, good guy CM Punk's like, okay, if I win, I'll forfeit my plane ticket and we can both split the gas to get here. And then Cole Cabana's like, fuck that. I'm, I'm taking the plane ticket. So I guess yeah. it's like building tension between those two, which is mm-hmm. in hindsight pretty, uh, I guess it's foreshadowing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so um good little deal there it sets up future matches between those two yeah um i always like the ring of honor would do stuff like that because that, that's that sounds real you know what i mean that we yeah. would do stuff like that like i can remember you know guys taking a van up from atlanta or whatever to work in philly and right that was that was the story you know if uh, the winner gets flown next time well that's that's great that's a you know what i mean that's a that's yeah. believable you know it's uh i like that stuff yeah, title belts are fine, but like you know, pay for my plane ticket. Like, yeah, like sure. you said, that's like a realistic 
uh, yeah. element of stakes to it, which I did. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of stakes, so this next match is uh, so there's on this show, there's like a mini tournament of four guys and the winner is uh, the number one contender for the ROH title. So this is the first, I guess, semifinals of the tournament. So we have Paul London versus Easy Money. Mm-hmm. So I, I had never heard of Easy Money until I watched this show. Do you have any uh, thoughts on him? Yeah, he was in ECW when I was there. And, oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a character, uh, legendary. Uh, it was, he was famous for uh, uh, dressing as himself for a Halloween party and wearing the ECW toy belt to it <laughs> during those days. So we busted his balls about that for years. But um but he was a good dude. He made a lot of uh a lot of the boys uh uh gear actually. He was he was good at that, you know. So oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, probably a lot of the stuff you saw on that show he 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 made, you know, but he was very athletic. He did that um I don't know if he did it in this match, I don't recall, but he did that uh shotgun lariat that um hangman Adam, page hangman page does now so um now's the first time i'd ever seen that and i don't know that i've seen it since probably i have but you know but right but he was doing that in ecw and um really athletic dude and you know for as big as he was i mean he's not andre or anything but he's i don't know probably 240 you know and yeah you know over six foot and um he could do a lot of stuff yeah no he, 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 yeah he's very talented yeah yeah for sure he is yeah and at this point he's he's a pretty big dude but like you said he's flipping all over the place it's funny you brought up the the Adam Page stuff because not only does he do that buckshot lariat flipping clothesline, but he also does the uh, the dead eye like reverse pile driver that Hangman does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, man, this is like a, a precursor to to Hangman here. Yeah, yeah, I stole that move from him and <laughs> done it a lot of times. Yeah, but you did it better though, right? Ah, yeah, better than him. I don't know about as good as Page, but <laughs> <laughs> don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then he's facing Paul London, which I mean, we can talk for years about Paul London and how he's great that dude was. He is the, I mean, not he's just the coolest dude. You know, uh, he yeah. offered a couple of weeks ago to come, whenever we can work it out, come teach a seminar for my students at my school, and I want to really try to try to work that out. But um, he um, he was a dude who came in the Ring of Honor, and like by his second match, he was super over. I mean, it's yeah. just he was like his first match. I'm pretty sure nobody knew who he was. He was just a guy that Rudy Boy Gonzalez student, Shawn Michael mm-hmm. student, you know, that came in. Nobody knew who he was at all. And I want to say, like, by his second match, they were standing up for him. Like, it was just the stars aligned just right, and he was the right talent in the right city. And um, he was, it was like a rocket ship. It was awesome yeah. to see. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And like, yeah. at this point, probably the best feud that Ring of Honor has had so far is the feud between him and Michael Shane. Yeah. Um, cause that there was a lot of, you know, elements cause they both came from the same school. It was kind of like a civil war within that school, the Texas wrestling yeah. Academy, like two different mentalities, but so it was a really good storyline and they had some pretty good matches. There was a, a street fight they had. It was one of the first shows and mm-hmm. that's where like the, the please don't die stuff started. At least it was the first and time I saw it the in the corner, right? Dude, they Paul, the the yeah. fact that Paul London is still just walking around is yeah. <laughs> incredible to me. Yeah. Just the, yeah. Flipping off ladders, landing on those steel barricades back first. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude's made of rubber. I, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But uh, this match is uh, it's kind of a shorter match. It, it's it's pretty good for the time they they got, though. Um, like I said, Easy Money's busting out all of uh, Hangman Page's moves in this match, but also 
He's a big dude flipping around there. Uh, a lot of impressive offense from him. Really hanging out with Paul London as far as that style yeah. goes. Uh, but towards the end, easy money goes for like a pump handle slam type of move. But Paul London slips out and then hits a, like a leg trap DDT out of nowhere for the win. Yeah. Uh, they shake hands after. But yeah, really good match. And like I said, yeah, number one contender trophy this is for. So that stakes to it. Had, you know, fast pace. So can't really ask for more than that. Yeah. And then the second semifinal, I guess, for the number one contenders trophy. So we got Chad Collier versus American Dragon Brian Danielson. Uh, so again, just like Easy Money, I had never heard of Chad Collier until mm. I watched this match. Um, any stories or thoughts about Chad Collier? I don't have a lot of stories about him. I always thought he was good. I wrestled him in Rochester yeah. sometime after this a little bit. And um, he definitely was a good on-the-mat guy, you know, a, definitely a good technical technical type of guy as i recall um having said that i don't and and maybe he's done a lot but off the top of my head i don't remember him being back too much after that i think he was around a little while and and i don't know did he ever go to tna or anything like that i don't know if he did anything else after not that i'm aware of yeah yeah. but um i mean i'm not like entirely surprised at that because this match like like i can enjoy a technical mat wrestling kind of match like i watched you know american dragon face doug williams a few shows ago and that was great mm-hmm. that was a 30 sure. minute iron man match i was i was into every second of it yeah this match right here brian danielson versus chad collier this is about 20 minutes long and there was really i mean the crowd was not into it at all first of all there's yeah. zero heat to it maybe it, is that their fault or is that you know the, the kind of crowd that's there who knows yeah. but um no one really knew who Chad Collier was. I, it, it seemed to me from watching mm-hmm. this. And we were talking about earlier about how maybe sometimes independent wrestling at this point maybe relied too much on the, the technical kind of, you know, the bare bones nature of wrestling. And they maybe had too much faith that that was going to get the crowd excited. But mm-hmm. to me, like this match didn't really have a lot of heart to it, per se. Like later in the show, we get Brian Danielson versus Paul London, which again, it's a very technical match, but it has like mm-hmm. intensity to it. This mm-hmm. match to me didn't really have a lot of intensity. Um, and no, I wouldn't, it's, again, I wouldn't say it was a bad match. Like it was technically sound. Like the match is premised because Chad Collier, his finisher is the Texas Cloverleaf, yeah. which he, he was trained by Dean Malenko. I, th- I believe commentary said. Yeah. Um, and he he's actually kind of looks like Dean Malenko. He's kind of like a bulkier Dean Malenko. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar style and has the same finisher. So he, he's kind of working the leg of Danielson throughout the match. Um, they're fighting outside. He's throwing them into barricades, all sorts of submissions. Uh, towards the end, uh, Chad hits like a pop-up powerbomb onto Danielson, locks in the cloverleaf. Uh, but Brian gets to the ropes and uh, Brian eventually fights back. He, uh, he counters one of Chad's moves Hits him with an elbow to the back of the head and hits a brutal dragon suplex for the win. So Brian Danielson gets the win. Um, you know, like I say, you know, Brian Danielson, I mean, he's just as good here as he is now. I mean, he's probably better yeah, now, but he's he was very good back then too. Yeah. Um, but this match, you said you didn't watch the show. Like I'm I kind of envy you because this was very long, yeah. uh, very long match with uh, I guess, yeah. you know, it had a purpose. He's like, who's gonna mm-hmm. face Paul London later in the show? But yeah. at no point did it really grip me at all. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, 
there's a again there's that um character aspect and dragon you can even tell you know uh set aside the yes chain or anything that he's done in recent mm-hmm. years you know he has this innate charisma about him yeah um it's sometimes hard to put into words but he's always a guy that who's always wrestled like a star he just looks like yeah. a star in there you know and um and sometimes if, if you're just a good wrestler even just a great wrestler you know if you don't have that little you know, not to say anything negative about Chad, but, you know, maybe that might be the issue type of thing right there. If you don't have that little bit of that it factor to tie into with your um, great technical skills, uh, you know, it's limit, it's limiting, you know, um, for sure. Yeah. And it's, I forgot to mention this. So like in the beginning of the match commentary, I think it's Gabe, they're like building up Chad Collier. And that's one thing they did well. Commentary is kind of like if, if a guy's debuting on a show, they'll like run down his resume and like where he's been stuff like that. But I guess at some point, Chad, uh, I guess he had like a tryout with WWE or he was with their developmental system, something along those lines. And then on commentary, they're like, oh, I guess they don't appreciate Matt wrestling over there. I mean, yeah, he's not the best promo in the world, but you know, they're like burying, (laughs) they're literally burying his promo skills. And it's like, okay, maybe that's why he didn't really. (laughs) I don't know if that's a great selling point to do on commentary, but you know, I guess you yeah. know, they were also, it was also, that was, and this was kind of a Heyman thing too, you know, it's, uh, uh, and especially in Philadelphia, you know, you don't want to lie to the fans, you know, type of thing. So they yeah. respect you more for maybe for pointing stuff like that out. So that might've been, been the, um, been the theory there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was very yeah. commentary. It was like, they were trying almost too hard to not be WWE to the point yeah. where they were like trying to be the opposite, like complete opposite. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess they would yeah. figure it out eventually, but yeah, here it was a little over the top and probably yeah. did more harm than good to Chad here. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this, we have, you kind of talked about this type of match earlier. We have a scramble match, mm-hmm. four-way tag team scramble. So we have the team of Jay Briscoe and Amazing Red versus the Hit Squad versus SAT, versus special k yeah um and you kind of brought it up and i've kind of talked about them on the podcast before myself it seems like these matches are kind of just designed like throw psychology out the window it doesn't matter we don't even like selling and registering and tagging like doesn't matter just go out there do your fancy moves get the crowd to pop for your moves and then go home is that is that kind of that's a hundred percent was a theory to those things i um uh at least consciously, especially if I had my eye on it ever, you know, not to say I was the ultimate boss by any means, but, but, you know, I would always still have the emphasis on selling, you know, you know, to some degree, you know, whatever you could, but it was very much like, all right, do your thing, get out the night, constant, constant motion type of thing. As I get older, I don't like matches like that, but, you know, really, but it's, uh, and yeah. especially, you know, not to get on a tangent, but they can be so egregious now when you mention, especially like the not selling and these huge, in today's day and age, and I, you know, and I love the, and I love wrestling today. I've recently, you know, uh, I, I've got to visit it at AEW and what a great, great company and great people and they, they do great, but, um, but there's some folks there that are green and some folks there that like a certain style and everywhere. I'm just not, not just there, yeah. but you know, we see guys today uh, do big moves that, you know, the undertaker would have been stretched out for, 
and they don't even go for a cover. You know, right. that drives me nuts. But um, so so I wouldn't if I had anything to do with it, I would try not to let stuff like that happen in those scramble matches as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But there would be like, you know, roll out or get pushed out or something like that. So somebody else can do something else. And it was basically um, and it's funny that these are the words we use because at the same because at those times i i was a i was the first guy that they ever hired to be an agent in ring of honor which was a pretty cool little thing on my That's resume awesome. yeah so um so and i would describe these matches to people like these are fireworks shows go out there and it's just like it's like it, it's like uh if you picture a tag team match after the hot tag and everybody blah 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 things yeah. break down that's that's the intent of this whole match and um now i use that same word fireworks to explain to my students and the people who take my seminars of basically kind of what not to do, you know, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, the quick version is, uh, you know, the 4th of July comes around going to the fireworks is awesome. That's, you know, that's awesome, you know, to come see it. Yeah. But, um, if the same fireworks show or a similar one happens every Saturday night, I can miss it. Cause it's, I know it's cool, but you know, yeah. it's, you know, I just saw that and I can see it again next week. But if it's what we talked about before, if there's a personal issue or, or something big a stake or a special attraction, well, I got to see that because it's only going to happen this one time, you know? So that's why where like uh, moves just for the sake of moves, especially when you're not selling, especially when you're not going for a cover, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, all the things that makes me sound like an old guy for saying, well, I lived this long, got to be an old guy for a reason. I learned things. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. it's a, I'm right about that. <laughs> so, uh, right. it's, uh, uh, so yeah, I, uh, it's funny, you know, I never thought about it before, but I, I give talks against fireworks shows in wrestling now. And that's how I used to describe it to people mm-hmm. when we were trying to book those matches, but it was a different time. You know, we're, we're trying to be innovative and, yeah. you know, so I give it a pass. No. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, in the context of 2002, I guess, like innovation was such like, like that was the, the type of moves you saw in these kind of matches you weren't seeing anywhere else. Nowadays, right. you, you might see a Canadian destroyer on AEW, but you're also seeing Canadian destroyers like at the shitty you know place down the street, like everybody's doing oh, them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. even like watching this match with 2021 lenses, like some of the stuff they were doing was crazy. I mean, especially SAT. I've, I've become a big fan of SAT and, yeah. and watching through these shows. These guys were so innovative, like pioneers of so many moves and kind of tag team kind of elements that are still used today. Yeah. Yeah. But so in this match, so uh, Joey Matthews is a part of this match, AKA Joey Mercury. Uh-huh. And he's probably my favorite part of this because you have all these guys that are like either in their teens or their, their early, early twenties. You got Joey Matthews. He's still a young guy at this point, but he's probably like, I don't know, 24, 25. Yeah. But he's basically portrayed as like the old guy yelling at, you know, like the, the old veteran kind of guy yeah. because he's surrounding uh-huh. himself with the, all these like yeah. young indie guys. So you'll have like Special K. They'll be doing, you know, these crazy flips to the outside. You'll have SAT doing these com- so complex double team moves and submissions like, you know, Briscoe, Amazing Red. You have the hit squad just killing guys with burning hammers and lariats. Mm-hmm. And then you have Joey Matthews will just come in and slow the, slow the match down with like a rest hold. So yeah. the, oh, the crowd always boos. It's like, it's such a funny, like there's one spot where basically everybody's taking a turn. 
like a guy will be, be laid out in the middle of the ring and somebody will come up from the top rope and try to hit a splash and they'll miss. And then he'll mm-hmm. be on the ground. And then somebody else will come from another corner and do another move. And then they do this like four or five times in a row. And then Joey Matthews just goes like to the second rope and does like a Jerry Lawler fist drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the crowd hates it. Cause they, they want to see the flips. They want to see the, you know, people breaking their necks on the ring aprons. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they want to yeah. see. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, that element of psychology in this match. But uh, other than that, uh, like we talked about, it's fireworks. And when sure. you re- when you kind of look at what, what surrounds this match, I think it's kind of structured in the show pretty smartly because the matches we've talked about thus far, they weren't really setting the world on fire. And, you know, some of the matches afterwards don't really either. So this kind of stands out amongst yeah. the other matches on the card, which I think is a good thing because you're not getting too much of a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, lots of crazy spots in this match. You have uh, you know, Jay Briscoe goes for the dr- the Jay Driller pile driver on the two deranged. But then Mafia just comes in and spears both of them, just obliterates them. Uh, Amazing Red hits an F five onto Joel Maximo. I guess Brock Lesnar's a big thing in the, at this point. So yeah, like shout out to him. There's one point where uh, Jose Maximo does rolling pile drivers, which to this day, I still haven't seen this before. He does like a pile driver. It's kind of like the three amigo suplex, you know, combo, yeah. but he's doing it with pile drivers, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the finish, I don't even know how to describe the finish with words. Uh, SAT wins, but basically one of the Maximos, I think it's uh, Joel Maximo has a guy in like a gory special. And mm-hmm. then Jose hands another guy, to Joel and he puts him in a Boston crab. So he has like one guy in a Boston crab while also having a guy on his back in a gory yeah. special and they both tap out. So fun finish SAT gets the win. I believe this is a number one contenders match as well. So there are stakes to it as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so all in all scramble match, I think it went and did uh, what it was destined to do. Um, and the SAT is the number one contenders here and SAT is super over at this point. I don't know yeah. if you have any recollection of that, but they, the crowd loved SAT. Yeah, they always did. They're, those guys were uh, – I always liked those guys. I think they're coming back. I'm sure they are, actually. Um, so, awesome. Um, yeah, so they're good dudes, man. Uh, um, you know, as you continue to watch uh, um, the Ring of Honor stuff, and I, I think it must have been after this, we did the scramble cage matches later, which would mm-hmm. – we had platforms on top of the corners of the cages. So oh, man. the guys that could do that stuff could do that. I actually built those actually. Um, and uh, the spray paint marks were still on my garage floor. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, um, but speaking of SATs, uh, um, I uh, always had all these ideas and I kind of aged in many ways, like I said, but I, I, I had shit ton of ideas always in those days, especially. And, and, um, so when we got together to talk about that match. I said, the SAT, I said, Hey, you want to do your Spanish fly off the top of the cage? We'll all catch you. He goes, I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. That was awesome. You know? And so yeah, those guys are awesome. Fearless too, man. Crazy um, bastards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I did saw the other day. I think they sent it. I sent it to them or they sent it to me or something. We tagged each other on a lot on mine somehow, mm-hmm. but it was a scramble we did with me and DeVito. Um, uh, SAT. And Trent and Johnny, backseat boys, and yeah. uh, and it was just AJ Styles. He was supposed to uh, uh, team with Paul London that night, but he couldn't make it. But we did a scramble match like that, and that was a really fun one night. And it makes me think of that because 
I was the one taking some of that SAT shit. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but, but they were they were good, man. They were smooth, and you know, I I really enjoyed working with them, man. They were they were all they were up for anything, and even though they had those cool moves that mm-hmm. whatever they take all of your stuff too, man. They just wanted to have a good match. Right. Yeah, it's funny because, like I said, I started from the beginning, and I had never really heard of SAT until watching these shows. And when I first saw them, I was like, oh, it's kind of like like bootleg, super crazy times two. Yeah. But as time has gone on, as I keep watching these shows, like they're, they're they've won me over. Like they're one of my favorite teams to watch. So yeah. um, it's good to hear they're still going. I'll, I'll watch wherever they wrestle, hundred percent. Um, but then after that, I guess it's like intermission at this point. And at this point in the show, they show some uh, highlights from dark. They had a lot of dark matches um, on the show, which I guess were shown on the TV show which I have no recollection of this. Do you have any memories of, uh, what was it called? I made a note, uh, ROH High Impact TV, the TV show. I think I guess it was a local Philly show. Yeah, it might've been. We didn't have it for very long and I don't remember when it started. That also might've yeah. been like, um, I don't know if that would have been a web series in those days. It might've been early for that. I don't know, um, but but we didn't have TV for, for long. And then later I was trying to, push us to get it once Kerry Silken took over and everything like that. And, and he said, nope, that he wasn't going to spend any money on that. That was a failed experiment. He thought yeah. at that point. So it was probably, it, that might've been uh, something local. There was that, what was it? Channel sports channel 46 or something. I mean, somebody's going to hear this and tell me I got yeah. it wrong, but something like that out of Philly. I think that that's what ECW is on and later CCW. Gotcha. There might've been a ring of honor show on that for a while. I don't really remember. Uh, right. But I remember the name of that show that you now that you pointed out. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea they had any form of TV show. But yeah, they had uh, how many is it? Five dark matches before the show even started. So you had uh, you had Mace versus Paulie Normus. You had Brian Danielson versus Marcos. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. They showed a few Marcos highlights. Was Marcos was my student, so uh, that's a. Uh, oh so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I I do remember watching that one. Yeah, for sure. All right. <laughs> uh, you got Angel Dust versus Paul London. You got the Hit Squad versus the Outcast Killers. Diablo Santiago. Also. Your students also. Yeah. Um, you got AJ Styles versus Jimmy Rave. So uh, a lot of the guys that just named they had like at least like in the case of Brian Danielson and Paul London, they had two matches on the main show. So that means they had three matches in one night yeah plus just the fact that i mean they're probably not super long matches but this is five extra matches that you're adding to the live crowd you know watching and from what i've heard you maybe you can confirm this i've heard that that murphy rec center can get a little toasty oh god yeah they'd get miserable <laughs> more it was hot and stuffy and all that stuff but those fans were so if you were giving them what a, a good show of course you're in south philadelphia you know that's uh i mean that that's uh that's trial by fire for sure for yeah. pro wrestling um, or for any sporting event, but um, definitely for pro wrestling. But, but those, those people loved ring of honor and they were, and they loved that they, if they could see another one or two Brian Anderson matches, they were all in, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm sure that as long as they were digging what they were seeing, they weren't, you know, looking at their watch too much, you know, uh, right. Depending on the night, you know, depending on the show for sure. I didn't remember us doing five pre-match shows, but I definitely remember, uh, Brian versus Marcos for sure. Yeah. 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 
Um, but then after that, we have uh, Divine Storm. So the team of Chris Divine and Quiet Storm versus Jeff Star and Shockwave. Yeah. Uh, any any memories of Jeff Star and Shockwave? I don't know if I've ever heard of these guys before this. I brought those guys in for that show, to be honest. Did with you? Okay. Yeah, those I those uh were friends that I'd worked with on the indies a lot, and um and they had uh I remember this match not being very good. Um, uh, yeah. And I and and it was a definite styles clash type of thing there. Um, I think that uh, I think that uh, Shock and and Jeff. Um, we're coming at it from a very sports entertaining, uh, American style pro wrestling type yeah. of thing. And they were coming up against guys that were green. Everybody was green, but you know, mm-hmm. the that were green, but also more into the, I'm going to kick you hard and I'm going to stretch you a little bit more. And that's what ring of honor was. That was, a, that was took a little getting used to for me too. I mean, you know, people yeah. talk about, ECW being blood and guts and violence and blah, 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 blah. Ring of Honor dudes are kicking you for real. They're putting you in, I mean, in safe places. You know what I mean? You can hit hard in safe places. And they're putting you in holes. And you better have stretched out before this match because they're putting yeah. you in holes, you know. And uh, and um, I remember there being some real timing things. One thing specific I remember was they were going to do something and do the old go for the boot. The other guys were going to catch it. They were going to do the backflip, land on their feet, and yeah. um, they just chucked them. They, it was timing was bad, and right. and uh, Jeff and Shock didn't get over, and I mean, literally didn't get over, and figuratively yeah, yeah. didn't really get over either. Um, and uh, I really thought they were onto something because they, you know, I thought I'm going to bring these guys in. I, I vouched for them, and um, you know, there's no heat, but it just I don't think they were. I don't think they came back either, but. But they're mm-hmm. they're really good talents. Jeff still goes once in a while, and Shockwave became. If you ever read about Shockwave the robot, that's him now. And he did a few Japan tours, and he does some stuff okay. now. Where he actually, it's kind of goofy, but um, right. <laughs> dressed. He's an actual. He's got LED lights all over him, and he's an actual like robot. And he's doing all this shit right in the ring, but mm-hmm. he's got a whole routine that he does or whatever. But um, and uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny that that's this show in particular, but I remember them being super disappointed afterwards. Like they right. had a chance and kind of blew it, and um, those things do happen, unfortunately. Yeah, because uh, you know, because I've been watching these shows and I knew who Divine Storm were, and ultimately this match kind of is almost a squash for Divine Storm. They win the match, but yeah. I feel like if you came into this this match cold, like if you just turned this match on, you didn't know who any of the people were. Jeff Starr and Shockwave, just f- like physically, aesthetically, they look like the stars of this match. Yeah. Like they look like the guys and Divine Storm, they look like the enhancement guys. So I yeah. see what you're saying as far as like what their potential was, because they looked and maybe it is like kind of the sports entertainment kind of vibe, I suppose. Maybe that was the issue. That is a good point. Yeah, um, I, I don't mean that in a um, goofball. But just like that american wwf probably still the time maybe e uh style of working you know a little bit you know type of stuff as opposed to what ring of honor right as well as south philadelphia was where all right little fat little hard a little faster a little bit different and um having said that you know if uh if uh 
the other team had had uh, worked a little bit more like Jeff Starr and Shockwave. I mean, not necessarily their style so much, but slow down and work with them. That, that had potential to be a really good match because, I mean, I, I would still vouch for those two guys to get a shot yeah. somewhere. Um, you know, they uh, they they were good, and but they didn't have a great match that night, and I and I don't think it was all their fault. You know, it takes there was four guys in there, and I think it was everybody's fault. But um, but I I, I wish they'd. I wish they would have got had another opportunity after that, but I don't think they ever did. Yeah, because like you said, even like Chris Devine, Quiet Storm, they're both pretty green in their own rights. So, yeah. and like you yeah. said, it takes takes four to tango in this case. And uh, yeah. the ROH crowd, they the, the WWE they didn't want WWE. No. Ring of Honor wanted yeah, something. In fact, yeah, they wanted yeah. any literally anything that wasn't WWE. So, yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, like I said, uh, Divine Storm gets the win here. But honestly, that's not really the story of this segment because after the match cw anderson hits the ring and uh so this is this whole deal here because it's it's so funny to see like the 2002 vision of like making it look like a shoot like like it because mm-hmm. this was, they were like portraying this like this wasn't a part of the show like commentary was like oh make mark here to delete this from the dvd and uh so cw anderson gets in there i don't know if he was like with the company at this point I know he had wrestled a few matches in their early shows. I don't know if he had a contract or what the deal was, but basically uh, CW Anderson gets in there. He beats up star and shockwave uh, gives one of them a spine buster because he's an Anderson after all mm-hmm. uh, Gary, Michael Capetta gets in there and he's like, Hey, what the heck are you doing here? That's his words. That's a quote. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, uh, CW Anderson grabs a mic. He says he's back in ring of honor uh even though this piece of shit promotion buried me online i guess i don't know if this is true or not maybe you remember something like this but he calls out gabe sapolsky for burying him online i don't know if it was an interview or an article do you have any recollection of that i don't but i would be willing to bet that um that uh if there was a little friction there for real that gabe told him hey hit me with that while you're out there you know like uh, (laughs) because those fans for sure would know you know what i right. mean and, and um and gabe was business you know he would definitely be like yeah man i can hear him saying hey hit me with that thing you know i pissed you off in that interview or whatever the case was you know whatever that whatever that was you know but, man lay lay it into me out there you know because the fans will oh know that you're know that you mean it type of thing yeah yeah and like the whole like a, a lot of the locker room comes out there and like carries cw out of there brings them backstage and then the camera follows them backstage and gabe's there he's yelling at cw he's like get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of it like really over the top and yeah. it's really really dramatic actually but uh i don't know if this uh leads to anything or what what the case is but um seems like they're building cw for something i'm presuming uh yeah to- I, I don't think that he had a real long stay there i know you did something probably after that where he- yeah was gonna maybe well you said you've been watching him so so if it happened before then you then you would have seen it but he did something where he was gonna he wanted a team with any jobber that's what it was called because i don't yes. it doesn't matter who it is give me a team with any jobber and i pushed like hell for that to be mike bell do you remember who mike bell was by any chance yes he actually, yes he actually teamed with me a couple times in ecw and teamed with devito in wwe when they were doing enhancement work uh-huh. but he had he was the guy who famously um uh uh Saturn 
lost a shit on in the ring in WWE. Right. Yes. Was, you know, and did all that stuff. So, and then it just happened. And everybody's like, you know, the, the, oh, um, man. so, uh, everybody's talking about how a jobber, and I hate that word, but, uh, some jobber got beat up by, uh, by Saturn, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And that was our friend, Mike Bell. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is his spot. Bringing him in to say any jobber, let it show him be him and then let him kick ass somehow, you know, something like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's brilliant. That, that can be like a rebirth for him type of thing, but I wish that had worked out too, but. Sometimes yeah. they have good ideas, at least I think. <laughs> but, but <laughs> them, so maybe they're not that good idea. I don't know. No, I, but, I, I support you on that. Yeah, Mike Bell, yeah. he was big in the W as an enhancement guy. He was sure. big in the WWF yeah. in the mid 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweetheart of a guy, too. Yeah, he's big into like fitness and stuff, right? He has all like yeah. the straps and yeah. Yeah, um, he, he's passed away now. His brother's owns companies. Uh, his brother, his one brother, um, uh, has has done um really well with uh, uh making different documentaries so a lot of a lot of them about bodybuilding and powerlifting right. steroids in that whole world and uh his other brother mark um mark bell that's uh, what i'm thinking of yeah mark oh yeah he owns um he owns shit i'm not gonna think of it right now it's terrible but he uh, he he's in he's in the he's in the weightlifting game you know and, he, and he's in a, and it looks like he's doing real well for himself financially and business wise as far as that that stuff mm. goes so yeah, there the the slingshot. I don't know if that's the, the brand name. That's what yeah. It was. Yep. Okay. I have one laying around here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. big, big Mark Bell guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The jobber thing uh, that was, I think it was like the first or second show where that happened. Uh, he yep. teamed with, what was his name? Elax. Elax. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I forget. I forget who they faced, but yeah, it didn't really amount to anything. It was kind of like a one-off yeah. thing and then CW left and then he's back here now. So yeah, and I'm not sure if he came back much after that. I don't. I don't remember him being around a ton. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but after that, we have uh, the finals for the number one contenders trophy: American Dragon Brian Danielson versus Paul London. Um, so these guys have wrestled each other a bunch of times in Ring of Honor over the course of history. Um, there's there's one like famous match. I forget which show it is. It might be like oh three oh four. Um, but the, this is one of their first matches in Ring of Honor. And like we were talking about it, like with Dragon versus Chad Collier, like it's like one of those, it was like a technically good match, but it didn't really have like an intensity to it. But this match right here had lots of intensity and it was so evident that we haven't seen it thus far in this show because it just stuck out like a sore thumb. It was so good. Like watching these guys, I could watch these guys wrestle all day. Yeah. Um, even the young versions of them. Cause it's like, even like, Cause you have like the striking, like you said, people are hitting each other for real in ring of honor. And that's yeah. evident in this match. Um, but even like dragon will just put on an abdominal stretch on Paul London. It's like, he's trying to rip his head off. Yeah. It's like, awesome. Yeah. I can remember him finishing a guy with that one time. I think we we're in Chicago or something like that. And he, yeah. and like, he would do stuff like that just to see if he could. And he could, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> to, he could make it work. And he was over anyway, and he could put it, he could make, anything like that makes sense and be and 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 just right and uh, like yeah abdominal stretch i remember I'm using that as a finish that's all that inspires me even to remember that right now like this weekend i want to see if i can pull that off yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would believe it if, if i was yeah. in the crowd i'd be i'd be at least you'd have at least one guy cheering for yeah. um but yeah just it's honestly not even that long of a match i mean this is mm-hmm. each of their third matches of the show yeah. um but every second of it was action packed and every, every move had intent really laying it in. The selling was great. 
Um, one point, Brian hits like this huge back suplex from the top rope onto London. Uh, he locks in the cattle mutilation, but Paul London's able to get to the ropes. And uh, they work their way towards the finish. And I, I really like the finish. And this kind of goes back to like the struggle of a move kind of makes it worthwhile when it happens. So Paul London, he's on the top rope and Brian keeps trying to knock him off. So he'll run up there, but Paul London will like forearm him and knock him down. And they do, he does this like three or four times until eventually Brian runs back up and Paul London's like elbows, head butts, like everything you can do. He finally gets Brian laid out on the mat, hits the shooting star press and gets the win. So he like really had to work to get Brian down and out for him to be able to hit his shooting star. Uh, hits it beautifully as Paul London always did. And uh, so, yeah, Paul London, I guess is the number one contender for the ROH title. So uh, by, by, by far, you know, no disrespect to you. I know you're on the show, but this is my match yeah. of the night personally. <laughs> it would have been mine too. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hard to top those two. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have the ROH championship on the line. Xavier, the champion, versus AJ Styles. And by the way, Xavier is accompanied by Simply Luscious, and AJ Styles is accompanied by Alexis Lurie, a.k.a. Mickey James. Yeah. Uh, man, a lot of, lot of future stars in here and a lot of you know, stars that didn't really amount to uh, maybe as much as they thought they would, particularly yeah. Xavier. Like, what, what do you think kept Xavier from reaching a higher level? Than, than he was I'm really here. not sure. He, he was, he's my brother's, he's Tony's student too. He's a DeVito guy. Um, yeah. uh, I don't, he had all, had a great look, had talent, had athleticism, had balls. I can remember before there was ever a ring of honor, him doing some 450 splash to the outside through a table before ever, before anybody yeah. ever put, those words in the same sentence ever you know right. what i mean and yeah, it, yeah. And, uh, it was and i think that maybe and i'm only saying this because you know you asked me and if i got to come up with a reason it might be the promo deal you know it might yeah. be that is there something that um is there a little bit of that little bit of that star quality a little right. that, you do, know type of thing do you think he was but, too uh, like kind of along the same vein as jeff star and shockwave do you think he was too like wwe for lack of a better term I, I thought so for that setting, um, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, but I mean, there, the WWE is still a thing. I mean, I don't know why I didn't get a shot there, but, um, yeah, that's true. I would, but, uh, I, along the lines of what you're saying, I remember thinking and loving the guy, don't get me wrong. You know, he's mm-hmm. DeVito's kid, and, you know, and, and I, and I knew him a long time, but, uh, and he's gone now too. But, um, uh, uh, I do remember thinking that he was, uh, not, I'm not going to say the word bad because he wasn't. It worked like a charm, but he was a curious choice for champion to me. And yeah. for what for what that company was trying to be, you know, first mm-hmm. champion is low key. And then um, DeVito told me, he says, yeah, they're, and uh, they're putting the, they're putting the uh, um, belt on John tonight. And I'm like, bullshit. And he goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, um, and then I think, you know, and then, then it went to Joe and all those people, you know, and it was like kind of that right. whole, one of these things is not like the others, you know, and that's not, not that's not always a bad thing by any means, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, he was a little bit more, 
I don't I I'll say I'll say mainstream style. Not I don't mean yeah. there's nothing negative about that as opposed to this upstart, you know, um hybrid style of of, of sort of strong style before we called it that. Right. Like a sp- sports that. entertainment style he kind of had. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like you said, the yeah. crowd there wanted strong style type of type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you brought you brought up the fact that he he was a curious choice to be champion. And I agree with that in a sense, but also there's this. So the underlying, I guess the main storyline going on at this point is the prophecy, which mm-hmm. of course is led by uh, Christopher Daniels. And then you have Smojo involved, Donovan Morgan, Mark Briscoe, and then you have Xavier. And it's almost like Xavier, like the only reason he's champion is because of the prophecy. It's almost like he's the champion to kind of represent what the ring of honor fans don't want. It's almost sure. like he, he represents like lack of a better term, sports entertainment. But then you have yeah. a, a, the guy like Smo Joe, which takes the title off him. He's like to a T what ring of honor wants strong style. Yeah. Like, I guess that was the mentality going into it. But like you said, I, I agree. And like I said, it's, it's the whole, like one of these things is not like the others. And that's not always a bad thing. And I don't think it was there. It was just yeah. a little, well, I didn't see that coming. And it's, you know, you shouldn't always see what's coming, you know, type of yeah. thing, you know. So, uh, but yeah, um, he's a guy that I, um, I could have seen bigger things than for other companies, you know. And mm-hmm. again, uh, is it promos? Is it something like that? I don't, I don't know what there was, but, um, but he had all the tools, it seemed. Yeah, his promos, from what I've seen, his promos weren't uh, the best, but yeah, yeah, well, like you got to do them to be good at. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the other yeah. thing. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, you know. I tell my students, you know, I don't care how dumb you feel, you know, when you're in the shower, when you're in the car by yourself, when you're doing, you know, talk, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, talk, 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 and look at your watch or your car radio or your phone and say, I got to do a one minute promo and talk, you know, you know, you got to just do it and do it and do it, you know? So, mm-hmm. oh, well. Yeah. Um, but he's facing AJ Styles here. And obviously, we you know, what he would go on to be still going strong yeah. today. Yeah. Um, and uh, even at this point in 2002, very early in his career, but still incredibly polished in everything Amazing. he does. Like a yeah. lot of Xavier, I don't want to, you know, have it come off like I'm shitting on Xavier or anything, but like a lot of Xavier matches kind of come off like, you know, they don't really resonate with me personally. They don't really grip yeah. me at all. Yeah. Um, but this match, AJ Styles, you know, he had, he had a great dancing partner, Xavier did with mm-hmm. AJ Styles here. Um, and right from the beginning, Xavier, so he's like the cocky heel. So he slaps AJ, and uh, AJ just goes berserk because I guess Xavier is trying to coax him into getting too emotional. But AJ eventually he hits the Styles Clash like five seconds in, into it. But uh, mm-hmm. Xavier is able to like roll towards the ropes and get out of it. Luscious pulls him out. And you know, we mentioned the prophecy. Uh, it should note that Daniels, Donovan Morgan, Samoa Joe, none of them are in the building on this night for whatever reason. So really it's just Mark Briscoe and Luscious that are backing mm-hmm. up Xavier and Mark Briscoe is still 17. So he can't yeah. physically get involved because they're in Philly. Yeah. Um, then you have simply Luscious who is, you know, she's not going to stop AJ Styles. So, but Luscious getting involved prompts the referee to kick her out. So now it's like a one-on-one scenario, which is what Xavier doesn't want because he's thrived off of all the interference from the prophet. That's why he's champions because people will mm-hmm. interfere in his matches. So now he's pretty much like, Oh shit. Now I got to face AJ styles one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So I like how they set that up in the beginning. Um, and the matches match is pretty solid. You have Xavier, 
um, hitting some like springboard bulldogs and really good spears to the back of AJ Styles. You have AJ Styles. He hits this like crazy like deadlift back suplex that looked really yep. snappy and good. AJ is so good, man. So good. I always say that pound for pound, he might be the strongest guy I was ever in the ring with. Because really? like stuff like you, you just said, he could just muscle a dude or catch a dude. And these weren't all super large men, but, you know, you know, some of them were, you know, at least yeah. everybody was in that, you know, 180 to 230 range, you know, and you just catch dudes or throw dudes and, you yeah. know, can, and, and you felt, you knew you were safe because he had you, you know, and uh, yeah. he's, you know, no pun intended, but he's a phenomenal athlete and is, you know, he picked the right moniker. He just is a man. Yeah. And, and, and years later, you know, decades later, I say all the time and I will always say, um, regardless of who you think the best in the world is right now or anything, I think that of everybody we've seen over the last decade, and I'm including Kenny Omega and Punk and Randy Orton and all those, that when you're talking about the best of all time, I think you you got to put, you talk about Sean and Ric Flair, and I think you got to have AJ Styles in that conversation. I really do. 100%. He's, he's, he's that good. Yeah, for some yeah. reason he gets overlooked when it comes to those like greatest of all times discussion but when you think of the longevity he's had i mean we're watching a match this is a match from 2002 he's still right. going strong in 2021 it doesn't seem like he's stopping anytime soon and yeah. just the way he's evolved his style over the years you know he's not obviously doing the high flying stuff that he was here and not, not as much at least as he was here in tna but he mm -hmm. evolves his style and he's over the years his promos have gotten a lot better too because he can't oh, yeah. rely on his physicality as much as he gets older so his promos even like recently in wwe have been very good you know very good yeah when he was doing that stuff with it was 2016 and he was going back and forth with john cena i'm like man he's got he's got everything now you know because now yeah. he's got the promos too you know the character work yeah for sure yeah no weaknesses in aj styles mm -hmm. um well, other than his leg because uh, xavier attacks the leg in this match and um, at one point, so what happens here? So Xavier goes for a Rana off the top rope. Uh, AJ counters it into a Styles Clash off the second rope, but he hurts his knee in the process. And this allows Xavier to kind of recover from the Styles Clash. And basically he picks AJ's leg, ties it up into like a jackknife pin of sorts, and is mm -hmm. able to get the quick win out of nowhere based on the fact that AJ pretty much injured his own leg. So that's yeah. kind of, you know, solidifying Xavier. He's like, he just got lucky, like, you know, and he's kind of gripping onto this title by a thread. So uh, ultimately it would have been cool to see AJ as ROH champion, but uh, I kind of like how this match panned out. Yeah. I like that booking a lot. You know, it, yeah. uh, it gives your champion a win, but also, you know, keeps your challenger very, very strong and kind of let your, your champion still be a little bit of a chicken shit heel. Cause he had to, uh, yeah, kind of sneak it out, you know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but boy, man, that brings us to the main event. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so we have a bunkhouse tag team match, the team of Homicide and Abdullah the Butcher versus the Carnage Crew, the team of DeVito and my guest. 
Uh, so you you said you remember remember this match, right? I assume you do. Very much, yes. Unless unless wow. you got it beat out of you with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's lots of stories with that fork. I'll tell you. <laughs> so yeah, I I, yeah. I I would just love to hear your thoughts on this match because I was like, I was in I was awestruck watching this match. I didn't know what to think about what I was watching. Neither did I. Um, yeah, I got lots of thoughts about this match. Honestly, um, there's a uh. If you watch it, if you pay attention, maybe you can remember this, uh, or if you ever happen to come across it again, you don't see a lot of interaction with Tony DeVito and and. Uh, I actually, Butcher. I, I made it. Yeah, I made a note of that. It was all on you and and Butcher, pretty much that's, the camera. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, uh, that was hundred percent by design, and not because I wanted any kind of spotlight or I called dibs or because Abby wanted me. It's because when we were talking about this match in the back. And, um, you know, there's only so much you can talk about with a match like that, to be honest with you. But um, you do the right thing. And we're all, you know, we Homicide, DeVito, and myself would definitely, and I guess you could throw uh, Chris Daniels in there. You definitely could. I, that sounds like a dick way to say that. But um, <laughs> we would be the, the veterans of that locker room, for sure. DeVito and I were the most experienced, for sure. And Homicide right up there. Um, but um, we... Uh, uh, as far as the full-time guys, there's other guys have been around too. I'm not trying to leave anybody out, but, um, uh, so we would, you know, talk to, we had some ideas of some things maybe we wanted to do, but of course we got the legend here and we, and it, mm -hmm. it just, I'm sure you know that a little bit about that part of the business too, of course, you know, yeah. we're going to, you know, do our, do the right thing. And, and, um, what would you like to do tonight, sir? All those things, you know, um, and, I think he, we went over that match or Abby went over that match like three or four times and it was different every, I mean, it wasn't even close to the same every time, you know what I mean? So, uh, it was, so it, it wasn't really interesting. He's like, okay, we'll do this and then I'll do this. Then maybe go grab this and blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, cool. And he says, so, yeah. So, so to go over it again, but, and it was completely different than what he just said the time before. So, uh, really? that one, uh, um, which was, you know, for something like that. And anyway, we're pretty experienced at this point anyway. Um, you know, well, well, I say that I uh, was a big eight year veteran, which I thought was, yeah. I thought I was, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm almost 27 year veteran now and think that the eight year veteran didn't know shit, but, <laughs> uh, at any rate, um, uh, we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll, we'll just see you out there. We'll see how this goes. We got a couple bullet points, which is. I, you know, little uh, side note, that's all the only way I work now is with bullet points, you know, but um, mm -hmm. uh, so DeVito intentionally went to homicide. I said, okay, you and me, we're sticking together this whole goddamn thing. Cause I don't know what's going on. Let him kill Loke. That was a hundred percent. DeVito's and, a smart guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there was a certain point in there where I thought for sure my death was imminent, but um, he wanted me to, uh, you want me to go right into it? Tell you kind of my thoughts please, on the match. Please, please do. Um, he wanted, he couldn't. It was hard for him to get in the ring, and I actually don't know how he he finally did. To be honest yeah. with you, because my eyes weren't on him. But because it was hard for him to get in the ring, what he wanted me to do, we wanted us to jumpstart. So uh, Devito and Homicide take off whatever, and I'm gonna go over and reach out for abby and he's gonna pull me out from underneath and opening spot first thing in the match i'm sure you saw it stabs me in the head <laughs> pulls it out of his boot yep. right 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 yeah. to it first thing i take in the whole match is the fork right 
So I go down, you know, it's, everybody knows what we do here. I, 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 I get my gimmick, a little bit of business, come up and he goes, I said, get your color. And I just had, and I thought, not so, enough. <laughs> and, he, uh, and he, um, stabs me again or time or two. And I always pack a spare. So, uh, um, I went down, pulled out my spare and I went beep, 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 beep. And DeVito always picks on me for getting shitty color. But at this point I could see it drip off my nose and on the ground. I don't know if I'm gushing, but, uh, it's dripping on the floor. We're off to the races now. Uh-huh. I come back up to him. His exact words were, don't you got a blade? You said it just like that. <laughs> I go, oh, well, I just threw away my spare, right? And very calmly, I said, seemed like a good idea at the time, but very calmly, I said, sir, because, you know, he's the veteran. And I'm, you know, the size speed, sir, how about you uh, just take your fork and work it around in my cut a little bit? Um, which how, how could this possibly end badly? You'd ever say, right? But yeah, but I've done that with people a million times. I, you know, you work just work it a little bit. I'm not saying butcher me like a fish That's or anything a, like that, that. That quite literally is his name, the butcher. So I feel like yeah. you were just asking for it. I should have, I should have, uh, yeah, because <laughs> that's what he did. It was yeah. like I could have heard the theme to Psycho right then. I'm like, you want to work that around in my cut, sir, a little bit? Yeah, sure. You can still see the scar a little bit. And he got yeah. me. So I bled then. So I bet. Like, holy shit. You know, and uh shortly thereafter he drags me around somewhere and famous lines, famous words. Now, what would you say about this huge man with his boob mm-hmm. fat hanging down to his knee, standing there in front of you? And he says, uh, he says, open your mouth and trust me. Oh no. Yes, sir. That's my pickup line, too. And I sticks his fork, which, uh, you know, I bet you he doesn't, you know, sanitize that fork after every match or get a new one. Sticks his fork under my tongue, and I'm selling like a million bucks or trying to, you know. And um, so I'm like, holy shit. But, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, I guess I guess we had the people at that point. And uh, Mm. so uh, things go on like that. And like I said, we didn't have a whole shit ton that we talked about, but it was going very well. I thought, you know, um, and, uh, you have to, um, if you're in like my position in that, in a match like that, you have to, of course, respect the veteran and I'm never going to hurt him. I'm never going to blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, this is what I do for a living. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and as a shoot, you know, that's, uh, for a lot of my career, certainly, you know, not all of it, but it's been my only job. And if not, it's been my, still my life's work. Okay. Yeah. This is, ain't no hobby. I've always said. And, um, so Whereas I would never, ever disrespect the veteran. I would never hurt him. I would never do anything. At some point, you have to tell yourself, and I always have, I did, had to do that. I wrestled Dory Funk, you know, and uh, it's kind of a no blood involved, but a similar, similar story where I thought to myself consciously, well, what would I do if that wasn't this big legend over there? You know, right. um, because, I mean, there's guys like, you know, there's the quote unquote names and some people refer to me as that, you know, in that, in that, and I take that as an honor, but then there's legend, you know, um, yeah. like I've been lucky enough to be in there with Abby, been in there with Dusty Rhodes, be in there with, um, with, with Dory Funk, you know, and, and probably some others. But so, um, we did a little spot where uh homicide went to pick me up for the cop killer and I flopped over, should have landed mm-hmm. on my feet better, but didn't. And I gave him side, you know, a suplex dumped him on his head. And when I came up, uh, Abby's just standing there in the corner resting. You know, I don't know where DeVito was. He's off selling something somewhere. Yeah. And um, 
And I and that's where that moment hit me. I'm like, what would I do if this wasn't Abdullah the Butcher over there? And he's just standing there looking at me, and I'm in the ring by myself. I said, I'd waffle him with this fucking chair. And that's yeah. what I did. So I went over and I swung it at him safely. But all he does, swats it down <laughs> and comes as close as he can to running after me with that fork. Uh-huh. And you can hear, and you can hear the crowd audibly go, oh, because I thought I was dead. And if you look and you see me kind of scurrying to get away scared, there's no working involved in that. I thought he was coming after <laughs> me, too, which there's a lesson right there. And I tell that story a lot because, you know, the pain, the, he did a little something right there where the fans really thought he was mad and he was going to come kill me. Uh-huh. So much so that I thought he was mad and he was going to come kill me. But then he got to me light as a feather. Nothing. Totally working those, uh, those yeah. uh, you know, so I was very thankful for that. And I'm like, man, I just learned something. You know, it's uh, they could, that little bit of, oh, let me just turn this on for a second. Like I'm, there's a difference between I'm working mad and for a second I got them to think I was really mad and this guy's in trouble and and he still took care of me. And um, I think shortly thereafter we went home and DeVito was nowhere to be found to help me. I don't know where he was, a son of a bitch. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was always my, uh, I, I still every time his name comes up or this night comes up, I tell those parts of those stories and have to listen to, to DeVito if we're together. So, and this dumbass told him to get his color with the fork. And I'm like, I didn't mean like that. <laughs> but the end of the- <laughs> hey, it, it works, right? Like you got, you got some color yeah. just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's uh yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of, I guess this match kind of showed you like the value of taking initiative and kind of like, you know, listening to the crowd and kind of evolving the match you know, beyond the bullet points. Maybe you, you had laid out before. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, I try, you know, you always kind of try to work like that a little bit, but you know, yeah. like I said, it, 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 I would remember specifically because it was in the promo I told you about earlier that I, we would have filmed the show before this. Right. I remember like the opening line being, you know, after eight years in the wrestling industry, you know, so that's how I know how long I, you know, where I was in my career at that point. But, um, at that point still, um, I, you know, especially you know, like that, you know, the theme of our talk here today, some of the styles of the way the guys were working in those days, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it had to be really planned out because they wanted to get their shit in. They wanted to be just so, and, and maybe they weren't experienced or confident enough to do it another way. Not all of them for sure, mm-hmm. but I would still, you know, talk about talk a lot more than I do now, but something like that, when you're just, when you're just fighting, you know, um, I guess that's that's the um, one of the millions of things that I was lucky enough to learn in ECW. You know, if you're doing those kinds of matches where where, you know, there's a lot of brawling and a lot of fighting, you can't choreograph this shit or you have to right. you have to do what's there because you don't know if that table's going to break the way you want it to or you don't blah, 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 blah. And you don't know when the crowd's ready for you to go another way, you know, and again, not to get off on another tangent. But if you have everything so friggin' mapped out and the crowd's ready for you to do something else, mm-hmm. well, you got to be able to do something else, you know? Um, so, but at any rate, not to get on that tangent, but um, this match in particular, like I said, we went out there um, uh, with no game plan or four game plans, depending on how you want to right. look at it. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, it, and it ended up being what it was. And I think it served its purpose really well. And I think that was my personal, mine and DeVito's, I think it was our first main event in the Ring of Honor. So I believe so. Yeah. Cool. And um, and you know, and it was with this guy that 
everybody was pretty excited that he was there, you know, a legit, legitimate legend. So, and, yeah. um, you know, and I also went into it with uh, assuming that he was just going to guzzle us up, which if Homicide wasn't in there, I'm sure it would be all he <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. done, but, you know, It was a fairly competitive match. So, you know, I mean, I did, you know, opening spot was getting stabbed in the brain, but, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess uh, maybe in hindsight, maybe you could have built to the fork spot, but yeah, it's that duel of the butcher, you know. I respect the veteran. That's what he calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you got a blade? That's hilarious to me. Don't you got a blade? I can uh, see it dripping off my nose. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to end, but <laughs> I bet you I'm going to yeah. bleed more now. <laughs> man, after man, after you taking me through that match and like kind of what went into it, like I think I need to go watch it again because I think I'll enjoy so it more the second time. <laughs> it's uh because you know i want you know watching this cold you know not knowing any of this it's like man this is kind of just they're really just gonna have abdul the butcher stab loke for 15 minutes straight and then that's the yeah. whole match that kind of what it really was honestly i mean there, there were some spots at the end and you have you know, homicide yeah. and the cop killer at the end but ultimately it's this match is serving the purpose of abdul the but like you said the legends here let's yeah let the legend do what the legend made that what made him a legend um I guess, I don't know, how old was he at this point, Abdullah? Oh, God, I don't even know. Uh, that'd be interesting to find out, but I would think he'd 50s or 60s, maybe? Yeah. I don't, I don't have any idea. But yeah. the age, coupled with the fact that he's just a huge dude. Yeah. I mean, he's having a tough time moving around. Like you said, he can barely get in the ring. So yeah. I guess, you know, there's not much else you can do with him. And uh, I guess, you know, the value of having that name maybe is worth it. And especially considering that this is also kind of the blow off because you guys and Homicide had been feuding pretty much since the beginning of Ring of Honor. And this is kind of the yep. blow off here. I believe, mm-hmm. it, I believe it actually started with uh, Homicide stabbing you with a fork. Am I correct? That, that's actually, that's, uh, I always love the booking there. And, I, and I'm kind of proud of my spot in that history. Whereas um, I was the first in-ring talent to walk through a Ring of Honor uh curtain ever really because i uh, had to um i was gonna reprise my ecw gimmick being the extreme official that i but which you know a tiny little background on that i was a wrestler had been my whole career never refereed in my life but mm-hmm. i fell ass backwards into this cool character that wrestled and refereed in ecw and pretty cool so that was the idea was i was going to come in as part of a tag team and feud, feud with homicide and here's how we'll get there. Um, so in order to do that, so it wasn't an angle alert that I was going to fight with homicide later, I had to referee right. a just straight referee, another match. So that ended up being the first match in ring of honor. Later on, it was homicides match, stabbed me with the fork, dumped me on my head with a cop killer, um, scared shitless, by the way, before I took that move, scared to death. More so of the fork way more than the fork because i'm like if nothing else i don't think he can get through my skull maybe he can if don't he's, challenge I him if he's well you know if he's trying to i'm hoping he's not <laughs> trying to you know <laughs> but, you never know man I mean, but, he, but i can land on my head you know uh scared shitless but and i and mind you i met homicide that day and well no he came to to ecw a couple times but you know um but so i'm like boy you know um uh, so I was nervous taking that, but uh, I got to tell you a little story about that. So it's, uh, this is sort of, it's totally uh, on a, another tangent, but tying my, uh, my wrestling worlds together. We're in, uh, in ECW. I'm doing the extreme official character and I'm always fighting with Steve Carino a lot, always. Right. 
Uh, we're at some house show, and he's wrestling Tajiri. Tajiri lays him out on a table, and before he went up top to put him through it, just gives him a big overhand chop right in the stomach. I don't know why he would do that, but he did. And, of course, it's a house show, so I lean into Steve, and I go, sell that, bitch, and I laugh to myself, and we go on along the thing. Fast forward, I don't know, three years later, Homicide stabs me in the head with a fork, first ring of honor show, drops me on my head with a cop killer. They stretcher me out. As soon as I get through the curtain, Steve Carino stands there. He goes, stop, 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 stop. He leans over, I think, to check on me, and he goes, sell that bitch, and he got me back <laughs> <laughs> man he had been plotting that for years yeah so but uh yeah so um it was a nice little book ending that way so that was the blow off to our feud he can't get any higher than that he brings in abdullah no. the butcher to be his partner and it was the main event and the baby faces went over and that's per that's wrestling that was perfect yeah who had who was better at stabbing you in the head with a fork homicide or abdullah the butcher well uh, hmm. <laughs> the time old question <laughs> Yeah, I guess, boy, if I had a nickel for every time I, somebody <laughs> that, right? um, I would say, well, uh, Abby stabbed me for real, but I guess I kind of half-ass asked for it, right? I didn't. That's not what I meant. Yeah. Uh, but, I'll tell you, uh, but that's how it worked at the end of the day. Uh, uh, yeah, there was, um, there was no real shoot pain from homicide, and it looked like there was, so I'm going right. to go with him. Well, he He's only stabbed you once, him. right? Abdullah the Butcher had to have stabbed you at least a hundred times. I would think so. It's his physically his only, he doesn't drop an elbow anymore. So it's physically his only move. And, yeah. and, uh, it ain't like he was letting me, you know, I wasn't doing a whole lot of tackle drop down leapfrog with him <laughs> on my end. So, uh, yeah, so pretty much just eat this fork literally. And take right. it to the brain, but yeah. Not, not a lot of chain wrestling in this match. No, not a whole lot. Right. Not a whole lot. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, so that, Main event that brings the show to a close. Uh, honestly, Dan, in talking to you about this stuff, I almost like have more of an appreciation for the show than, than I did going in, you know, to, to talking well, good, about man. it with you. Um, good. yeah, Ring of Honor at this point, I mean, they're, they're nowhere near like where they would ultimately become, but I think there is a lot of uh interesting stuff in these early days, a lot of good stuff, some, some not so good stuff, but a lot, a lot of great wrestling um yeah any other like general thoughts on ring of honor during this time or i guess your time in ring of honor in general yeah i mean same with what you're saying you know it's like i was uh, or to tie into what you're saying a lot of good stuff a lot of stuff with potential a lot of stuff is not good yet uh-huh. but if you um what's the hottest thing in wrestling right now i mean there's no debate it's aew right and you can say mm-hmm. the same thing about them and that the people that love it they're so huge so over the people that love it and there's some people there that are genuinely, genuinely great. And there's some people there that, that, and this is not bashing anybody, that aren't great yet. So, you know, I mean, it's weird that that's playing out on national television. But yeah. The, but they're over. It, but the company is. And, 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 they, and there's the people who are there, and there's the people with the room to grow. And that's the same thing with Ring of Honor when you're talking about that. Yeah, you had Danielson versus, versus Paul London. You had AJ Styles, who was as good as he's is almost as good then as he is now when SATs are stuck out too. Yet so many other guys are like, eh, maybe they don't find their way yet, but someday they would, or maybe they didn't quite, but you know, they had that chance because they had that great atmosphere to do it in. And um, I was so excited. I was excited about it from the end of show. I was excited for show one, by the end of show one, I thought we talked about it early in this podcast. You knew you were a part of something special. Um, 
uh, and it became more than something special to me. And I, it was, yeah. it was, you know, I, I still, to this day, I have honor tat down the, tattooed down my spine, the word honor. Tat, and it was because I was that guy, man. You know, it was, that company was everything to me. I, um, I, it, it was as much as I love ECW and I romanticize ECW so much now as we, as mm-hmm. everyone does, you know, and looking back at how lucky I was to be there. Um, uh, being what my role was in, in ring of honor, as far as like, you know, again, eight years in the business, but compared to those guys considered an old guy, you know, I remember tur- turning 30 when I was there and then the oh, old, blah, you know, but, right, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but, um, a couple of times people that I respected refer, uh, a great deal, um, referred to me as the Tommy dreamer of East of ring of honor. Now, if you're a guy like me in ECW, that meant, you know, cause Tommy dreamer was the Tommy dreamer to me, you know, and he was the mm-hmm. guy that I asked about my batch or not just that asked about, man, am I handling this situation? Right. Or how do I navigate the home life with the business and, or, right. or, or my mind's, you know, just being that constant type of thing that hopefully given some type of positive energy to, to, uh, your coworkers, to your friends, you know, and being, and, um, and if I was that at all, I could have, you know, I, you know, I, I tried so hard to be that guy now and I'm way better at it because I'm older and I calm down. I don't drink as much and all those right. things, you know, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, uh so it meant the world to me because I, I wanted to be that guy for them. And, uh, and, you know, right down to, I, yeah, I, I helped build the scramble cage thing and years later, you'll keep watching. And eventually we have a nice, nice, uh, entrance way with a, uh, with, uh, with a diamond plate ramp and all that. And I built mm-hmm. that. I went down, you know, stuff like oh, that. Really? Out of the wrestling school to do all, to do, uh, to, um, to help work on that. And, you know, and, um, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, I said it before, Ring of Honor was everything to me in those days. I assumed that uh, I, that it was going to be huge, that it was soon going to be considered, um, you know, uh, uh, if not competition to WWE, be, be viewed as another national company, company at least to yeah. the degree that ECW was, and it, and it did, uh, and it was, and it, and it is. Um, and, I, man, I was proud of that place. And a couple of years ago, whenever it was, when they sold out Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. like, holy shit, from 400 people in the Murphy Rec Center. Right. Um, man. That's amazing. Know, and, yeah. It, yeah. That, that place was everything to me. Everything. Yeah. No, that's, I, I believe it. Yeah. You definitely, as a fan, just watching it, you definitely get a sense of the camaraderie amongst everybody working there. And that's cool that you're such like an instrumental, whether it's, you know, you're working the carnage crew or building the ramps, whatever it is. Like, and you yeah. said you worked at it as an agent too. So that's really cool that you were such a pivotal part of that because, you know, the early days of ring of honor, even, you know, mid two thousands, early two thousands, that's some of the best red people still talk about matches that happened during that time period. And you look at WWE, AEW, like their rosters are filled with guys from that era that made their yeah. names in ring of honor. So I think it's a testament to the quality that the company, uh, was able to, to provide the fans and it's and it's in a time period where like you know the monday night wars were over it felt like wrestling was kind of in a lull but ring of honor was there to create a whole different thing bringing people from all over the world japan and britain all over the u.s so 
definitely a unique feel in, in 2002, but it's, it's always been one of my favorite companies to watch for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it was, uh, it was one of, obviously, you know, one of my favorite companies to ever work for, you know, it, yeah. was, it was a blessing. I feel very lucky. You know, you mentioned it's cool to hear and to talk about some of the cool things I got to do there and be a part of and kind yeah. of little things on my resume. But, you know, I, I, I also need to be clear that, um, I wish I could have made more of that too. You know, honestly, you know, it was, you know, um, not to kind of wrap things up on a downer note, but you know, when I say things like I was the first agent there, I could have done better with it. If I knew then what I knew now, if I was a little bit more mature, I didn't, I mean, I was, I, and by that, I mean, not, uh, you know, I was going through divorce at that time and I still wanted to be a star myself and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. So maybe some, I could have, maybe I could have even dove further into helping other people and stuff like that, you know, but so if you see me now, or if you are at a show with me now or, or share a dressing room with me and, and um, you know, you see guys asking me to watch their match or guy, anything, just talking, talking about the business or trying to be, I, it's because I, I got a taste of it there. And, uh, and, and after that in my career, but I love being that guy that can be helpful and that maybe you can go on further and say, Hey man, you know, you know, uh, years ago, I, uh, Lope told me this is a great little piece of advice or gave me this story or told me, told me about this thing in the ring, or even if it was just like a little bit of a, made me feel better about my, the business for a minute when I was doubting myself or something like that. And yeah. if, if I get to do that for folks, then after I'm someday I won't be able to wrestle again. I don't anymore. I don't know when that's going to be. I keep pushing it back. I would say I'm like, I, for a long time, I said, well, when I turn 50, that'll be an even 30 years now. And, and now I can tell you what, I just turned 47 last Friday and there's no chance I'm going to be <laughs> going 50 unless I, unless, you know, something God forbid happens to my, yeah. to my body. Well, I just can't imagine this not being part of my life. But if, um, well, eventually I assume I'm going to die. I think probably for sure. And, but if you know, but if uh, you know, folks can ever say, you know, watch a match like you just watched uh, or whatever, or mainly people that I share dressing rooms with or students of mine, or and if they have maybe a little good story, or a little piece of advice, or a little bit of help, I always get to say, well, I get to live forever that way because you know, you know, if uh, I give you help with your match or a little bit of advice mm -hmm. or blah 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 blah, and then you give that to somebody else someday, and then he does to somebody else someday or she. And it's, man, we just keep, it's, uh, it, I always say I, we're very lucky. I'm very blessed and lucky to have been a part of the business as long as I have. And, and as much as I honestly feel, honestly feel like I worked my ass off and paid my dues in ECW and to earn a spot there, there's a million other guys that would have wanted to, you know, right. so I was very lucky. And, and probably and a lot of, every one of them's taller than me. And probably yeah. a lot of them, you know, were as talented or more talented than I was. And then, then same thing with Ring of Honor. You know, it could have been, it could have, you know, I worked my ass off for it, but I was also very lucky. And I never, I never, I never don't feel blessed when I get to have conversations like this about some of the cool stuff I got to do all those years ago. Right. Yeah. Your mark will always be on the business, man, whether it's ECW, Ring of Honor. Um, you said you're still, you're working today. You have a seminar, you have a school, right? right? Yeah. That's how you said? School. Yeah. Yeah. I have school and I just, uh, and once in a while I'll do little seminars before, you know, if, when I come to town and get there earlier or whatever, we'll set some stuff up with, uh, wherever I am wrestling that weekend type of thing. But, um, 
Uh, yeah, I have a, a school called the Fighting Arts Pro Wrestling Institute. If anybody wants to check that out on Facebook, or if they just look at look for me, you know, if you search Matt, if you search HC Loke on Facebook, it'll come up. Yeah. I don't know how to change. I don't know how to change the. <laughs> it says yeah. Matt Knowles, my shoot, uh, my shoot name, but it's got HC Loke in the parentheses and Instagram. It's at HC Loke one and Twitter. It's at HC Loke one and. And, you know, if anybody wants to check it out or see what I'm up to or wants to say hi or wants to tell me you think I suck, that's cool, too. Or <laughs> want a little help with anything I can help you with in this old wrestling world, it's, that's, uh, that's what I'm here for, and I love to do it. Hell, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Slug. It's been a pleasure talking to you about Ring of Honor and just wrestling in general. Uh, like I said, you know, going through this, I honestly wasn't too familiar with you going into it, but you're quickly Carnage Crew stuff, becoming one of my favorites, especially after talking today. Uh, definitely one of my favorites and a uh, great follow on social media as well. So I uh, appreciate you making the time to, to come on here and uh, talk a little wrestling with me. Thanks, man. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me and uh, pick out another cool Carnage crew match. One of these days we'll do it again. Maybe. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Open your mouth and trust me. He says, <laughs> Oh God, man. Once again, thank you to H.C. Loke. Awesome, awesome time talking to him about uh, Night of the Butcher 2002 and Ring of Honor and wrestling as a whole. Such a good time with Loke. Go check him out on Twitter and Instagram at H.C. Loke 1. Check out his school as well, as he mentioned. All the stuff regarding H.C. Loke. He's still out there working as well, so go check out everything that he's doing. Really good dude. Awesome performer. Yeah, and uh, check out all my episodes of The Apron Bump. You can go to apronbump.com for all my full episodes. If you enjoy these Ring of Honor reviews, maybe you're just jumping in, maybe you're a new listener, you can go to apronbump.com, go to the Episodes tab at the top, select ROH, and that'll bring you to all of my Ring of Honor reviews that I've done thus far, going in chronological order from the very beginning and uh, up to where we are now. So really, really fun time talking about Ring of Honor. Got a really special show uh, for my next ROH review, Final Battle. That'll be a really good one as well. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you don't miss that. And subscribe to my YouTube. Subscribe to my uh, uh, Chatterbait. Is that still a thing? I don't know. Um, but that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to wash your forks before you stick them in other people's mouths. I'm hard. Should you walk the ground, should you walk hard is Standing strong and proud